Colossians chapter 1, I'm going to start in verse 9. It says, For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you, and to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might, according to his glorious power, unto all patience and longsuffering with joyfulness, giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness, and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. And I'll stop there. We'll pray before I continue. Lord, I just want to again thank you for the, the word and um, for Christ and just who he is. Um, and Lord, we're just going to look at that this morning. Uh, Lord, I seek to honor and glorify you this morning. So Lord, we just commit this to you for that purpose. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. I started preparing this and I ran through the the stuff that came to mind just automatically and then I started digging a little deeper looking for more material and I was like oh, there's just too much <laughs> the, the Bible is completely full of things that point to who Jesus is as not just a man, but a man. <laughs> but he is not just the Son of God, which he is, but God himself. And so that's what we wanna, I want to look at this morning. And we've certainly looked at it before, and I assume this isn't new to anybody, but I think we should be encouraged <laughs> by looking at those things. Um, and I wanted to read those Verses, I repeated some of the verses we read last week that just speaks of the salvation that is offered through Christ. And Paul's desire is, in verse 9, is that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. We all need that. I need that probably more than anybody. So I'm going to get up here and start talking about it, right? But we all need that. Um, we need to be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Um, and it's for the purpose of walking. And the verse says, verse 10, that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work. God wants to transform your life. 
But that transformation isn't going to happen if you don't learn who he is. And so we need to learn who he is. Um, We need to study that. We need to read our Bibles so we can learn of him. And verse 11 says that we might be strengthened with all might according to his glorious power. We're strengthened by his power. By recognizing even what I was reading this morning, is like the more we understand the magnificence of who God is, the stronger our faith becomes. We need that. Verse 12 says we're giving, giving thanks unto the Father, which has made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. He's made you and me suitable to receive the inheritance of of heaven, of his presence. Delivered us from the power of darkness and translated us into the kingdom of his dear son in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. I don't know if I'll find it again. When I was studying this, that stood out to me. We have redemption through his blood. And somewhere in one of these other verses, I didn't make special note of it, but listen for it if we, if we read that particular verse. It speaks again of that redemption that we have in Christ. Um, and it points to that of it's... If we're redeemed by Jesus' blood, that in itself proves that he is God. Um, and that's kind of what I saw when I connected the two, the two verses. I don't, hopefully we can see that connection later as we go here. And so there's kind of the, the part that we kind of covered last week. I didn't focus on those things, but we'll move on this morning now. Verse 15, speaking of Jesus, says, Who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature? For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. Jesus himself is the subject being discussed who did create all things. Jesus is the creator. And well, we'll we'll look at that some more, but there's an important question. The most important question. In Matthew chapter 16, Matthew 16, verse 15. Jesus speaking, he saith unto them, But whom say ye that I am? The most important question to ask anybody, but to ask yourself this morning. Who do you say that Jesus is? Who do you say that he is? Your answer to that question 
will determine your eternity. Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Peter knew who Jesus was. He knew what that meant. Um, let me jump around just a little bit here. 1 John chapter 2. John 2, verse 22, jumps in the middle of something, but who is a liar, but he that denieth that Jesus is the Christ. He is Antichrist that denieth the Father and the Son. Whosoever denieth the Son, the same hath not the Father, but he that acknowledgeth the Son hath the Father also. You have to acknowledge the Son in order to have the Father. You don't get one without the other. Um, I see a lot these days of professing Christians who focus on the Father, but they really deny who the Son is. They deny, you know, they recognize Jesus, but they, they deny his deity. And to deny his deity is to deny him. We can't just... Uh, one, of the, one of the little kids, I think it was Wyatt on Thursday, looking at one of the things at the back that talks about another Jesus. And he asked me about it. And I was like... Was like what, who is this other Jesus? Um, this other Jesus is a Jesus that's not God in the flesh. Any Jesus other than that, uh, that doesn't have all of the character traits of God the Father, isn't the Jesus of the Bible, isn't the Jesus that is required for salvation. We need that Jesus. And that's the one we'll look at. John chapter 5. Verse 21. Says, For as the Father raiseth up the dead and quickeneth them, even so the Son quickeneth whom he will. For the Father judgeth no man, but he hath committed all judgment unto the Son, that all men should honor the Son, even as they honor the Father. He that honoreth not the Son, honoreth not the Father, which hath sent him. We must give Jesus the exact same honor that we give to God the Father. And there is only one way that he could ever deserve or receive that, is by being equal with God. And the only way to be equal with God is to be God. So we need to be very clear in our, our thought of who Jesus is in that regard. This is um, Deuteronomy, don't you don't have to turn to Deuteronomy, but Deuteronomy six, verse four says, The Lord our God is 
one Lord, is one. There is only one God, and I know no other. There is only one. And he describes himself as being one, not as being many, or multiple, or we talk about Trinity. But the Trinity of three persons are still one God. And it can only be that. I found this verse in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, which I've never considered in this light before. But it's answering, or it's saying the same basic thing. 1 Corinthians 8, verse 6 says, But to us there is but one God, just like Deuteronomy 6 4 says the Father, of whom are all things, and we in him, and one Lord Jesus Christ, by whom are all things, and we by him. There is but one God. And in that verse, declaring that there is only one God, describes that God as of whom are all things. And then he describes one Lord Jesus Christ, by whom are all things. It's the same description to describe the one God and the Son. It's the same description because they are the same. You can't have one without the other. Interesting, when you get into the Gospel of John, um, I'm sure the other Gospels are spots as well, but um, in John 17, oh, this isn't even what I thought. But John 17, verse 3, says, And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, And Jesus Christ, this is Jesus speaking, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent, I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. Jesus had the glory of God before the world was created. That speaks volumes of who he is. There is only one who has the glory of God, and that's God. And Christ shared that glory with him. He was a part of that. And so, mm, Philippians chapter 2. Philippians 2, verse 5 to 8, says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, 
but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. While he humbled himself, he became a man, but from what did he become a man? From being God. <laughs> Who being in the form of God. That's how he started. <clears throat> he started as God and became a man. Verse 10 says that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. How can you declare that Jesus is Lord, capital L, as in God, to the glory of God, the Father, if he isn't that, right? That's a, it all just ties it back together, pointing us to the fact that Jesus is God in the flesh. You can't declare him as Lord to God's glory without him being God in the first place. Otherwise, your um, what's the word? <laughs> you're, you're doing the opposite. You'd be insulting God by declaring this man to be equal, to have that kind of glory, that kind of authority, that kind of reverence to Jesus is an insult to God. If, if you're accrediting everything, everything due to God and you're giving that to Jesus, you couldn't ever do that to God's glory without him being God. There is only one that deserves that. There is only one God. We can only give glory to one God. So it's impossible <laughs> to do this without the other being true. Um, I want to look at, at Hebrews chapter 1. I'm going to read a bit of it. Hebrews 1, I'll start at the beginning. It says, God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. He made the worlds by Jesus Verse 3 says, who, Jesus, being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. So when he had by himself purged our sins, again, that just verifies that we are speaking of Jesus. He is 
the brightness of his glory and the express image of the person of God. Jesus is God. Verse 4 says, Being made so much better than the angels, as he hath by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. For unto which of the angels said he at any time, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. And again I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. And again, when he bringeth the first begotten into the world, he saith, And let all the angels of God worship him. And of the angels, he saith, Who maketh his angels spirits, and his ministers a flame of fire? But unto the Son, he saith, Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of thy kingdom. God, the whole context here is God speaking in heaven to the angels and to the and he says, unto the Son, he saith, thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. There, I'd like to say there can be no denying that Jesus is God. And yet people deny it every day. They deny that the Bible even says that he is. But everywhere we look, is pointing to that exact fact. Um, Verse 9 says, Thou hast loved righteousness and hated iniquity. Therefore God, even thy God, hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. And thou, Lord, in the beginning, hast laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the works of thy hands. Thou, Lord, in the beginning hath laid the foundation of the earth. That's Jesus. Hath laid the foundation of the earth. I'm sure you know this, but if you go to John chapter 1, we see that declared. John chapter 1 begins by saying, In the beginning was the word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. I could continue here a little bit, but we'll just take that point for a moment. All things were made by Him, and without Him, was not anything made that was made. Do you remember Genesis chapter 1? (laughs) says, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. There is no ambiguity about who created the world. It is only God who created the world. And everything, Everywhere else that we read, it was in Colossians, it said that he created the world. In Hebrews, it says that he created the world. In John, it says that Jesus created the world. All of our New Testament passages that point back to creation tells us that Jesus is the author of creation. 
the God of the Old Testament that created the world is Jesus. There's just a couple of verses in Isaiah I want to look at. Isaiah 44 is the chapter. Isaiah 44, verse 24, says, Thus saith the Lord, this is the verse I was talking about earlier, Thus saith the Lord, thy Redeemer, and he that formed thee from the womb, I am the Lord that maketh all things, that stretcheth forth the heavens alone, that spreadeth abroad the earth by myself. Thus saith the Lord. Um, This is all capitals, Lord, (laughs) is the Hebrew Jehovah that is God. (laughs) No, No question about who is being spoken or who is speaking. Thus saith the Lord, that formed thee from the womb, I am the Lord that maketh all things, that stretcheth forth the heavens alone, that spreadeth abroad the earth by myself. God, the creator. Also, thy redeemer. Remember, I pointed out that we are redeemed by Jesus' blood. The Redeemer is both God the Father and God the Son. They are one as God. In that same chapter, go back to verse 6. It says, Thus saith the Lord, the King of Israel, and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first and I am the last. And beside me, There is no God. We're not talking about two gods. We're not talking about Jesus being equal with God. We're talking about he is God. Thus saith the King of Israel, the Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first and I am the last. And beside me there is no God. You want to turn to Revelation um, there's a couple of spots here that we could look at. Um, we'll go to the, the last one in Revelation 22. Revelation 22. Shouldn't be hard to find. It's the last chapter of the Bible. <laughs> so Revelation 22, verse... Oh, well, I'll start in verse 12. It says, and behold, I come quickly. Do you have a red letter edition? <laughs> These are, words are in red. This is Jesus speaking. Behold, I come quickly. 
and my reward is with me to give every man according as his work shall be. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Wasn't that God's <laughs> declaration in Isaiah 44? Thus saith the Lord, the King of Israel, I am the first and I am the last, and beside me there is no God. We can't have them both making the same declaration without being the same. They are absolutely the same. When you begin reading the book of Revelation, chapter 1, Jesus is there and John has this vision of Jesus, and we see him speaking and saying the exact same thing. He's describing himself as the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. We see who he is in his own declaration in those things. How do you say that Jesus never claimed to be God? (laughs) Right? How could you say that? This is him speaking, saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. Again, I, I know I know I'm repeating for almost everyone, if not everybody that's sitting here. But that's okay. We go back to chapter one of Genesis. Verse one said in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, right? But we get toward the end of the chapter. When Jesus when God is creating man it says verse 26 and God said let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air over the cattle and so on but verse 27 says so God created man in his own image very, very important to have those two verses because when in verse 26 God says, Let us make man in our image. Well, somebody that doesn't believe in Jesus being God might say, Well, he's talking to the angels, he's talking to the other beings that are in heaven with him, the other creatures that he's already created, <laughs> right? It could be anybody that is the us and the we, but we need to remember that this is the creator, the God who is creating, who made man. But verse 27 takes away any question of who the we is, says that God created man in his own image, in God's own image. The we, the us, in verse 26, is God. What do you mean? How is God we and us if God is only one? I can't explain that. <laughs> I, I, I've explained before. I've remember one day in our kitchen, and we've got a shed out this back with a south plate facing roof, and 
it's a shingled roof, and the, so the snow was actually there and melting instead of just sliding off. I'm watching it the one day in the springtime, and the water's dripping, and the sun is on it, and it's steaming, and then there's this bank of snow on the upper portion of the roof. And I was like, this is the best I can explain of how God is we and us, and one at the same time. Like, what is all of this? This is water. But the water I'm looking at in three different forms. One is liquid, one is a solid, and the other is a vapor or a gas. It's all water. The steam is still water. The, the droplets are water, and the snow, the ice, is water. They're just in a different form but they're all the same thing. You break that down, look at the molecular structure of the thing, it's all the same. It's all the exact same thing. And that's the only way you can probably describe this concept of God. It's like we understand it by this principle of the the three possible states of matter. There's another guy I, I, I don't like what he's become, so I won't play him and quote him or tell you who he is. <laughs> but he had a really good quote one time. <laughs> and I, I can't do it justice, but he's describing God existing out, outside of creation. Because of somebody asking, well, if God created all this, then who created God? It's like, you're asking a wrong question. You have the wrong idea of who God is when you ask a question of who created God. God exists outside of everything that we understand and see and know. God exists outside of time, space, or matter. Those are our three basic elements of creation. It's time, space, and matter. And it's interesting because if... You have to have all three at once. You need time, space, and matter simultaneously for any one to exist. And this is his description. He says, if you had matter without space, where would you put it? (laughs) Doesn't work, does it? (laughs) And if you have matter and space, when would you put it? When, like, when did they, right? You need all three of them to describe the existence of any one of them. You need all three things. And he, as he describes Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. We see all three things. In the beginning, there's time. God created the heaven, there's space, or, and earth, matter. We have the three things coexisting in the same moment outside of God. God is outside of all of that, and that's where I came to that verse that I read to open this morning in Isaiah 46. God knew the end from the beginning because he's not restricted by 
the same things, these constraints that we experience of time, space, and matter. He's outside of all of that. He knows the end. Some people have described God very poorly as looking down the corridors of time and seeing, it's like, that's, that's not it. Like, God's not like looking down, you know, you can kind of see what's going on. Like, he's, he's over the whole thing. Every detail is as clear as could be, as if it's already happened, because he exists outside of all of those restraints of time, space, and matter. That's hard to grasp. <laughs> but that's the kind of God that is required to create these things. I saw another one. That get on the kick of these things and... This is a terror. I would never play this guy either. He's a comedian and he's swearing in the middle of this thing. But he's describing a creationist versus an atheist. So as a creationist, I believe that God created. He says the atheist believes that nothing created. And then the atheist has the nerve to say that we're believing in something that we can't see, touch, feel, or prove scientifically exists, made all this stuff that we can see, touch, touch and feel. And he's like, the atheist hasn't thought this through because they're saying that nothing <laughs> created. What is nothing? By definition, doesn't exist, <laughs> which you cannot touch, see, feel. <laughs> Or test scientifically. It's like the, the foolishness of the idea of this stuff is just like, it's wild. When you actually think through the logic of the conclusions of these things. I, don't, I hope you've seen the, it's like a, a meme comic thing. Two snowmen talking there and the one saying to the other. Don't be ridiculous. Nobody made us. We just randomly formed from snowflakes. <laughs> like, how foolish is that, right? Well, every, any person with any rational thought at all, any two cells to rub together in their brain, would say that that is not possible. No snowstorm has ever created a, a pair of snowmen. <laughs> or a single snowman. And yet... We think that if we give it enough time, we can create a living, breathing, thinking, emotional human being with all of this stuff that we, like, really? How do you come to that conclusion? The only way to come to that conclusion is by the complete rejection of, it's not the rejection of God, it's the I'm going to close my mind to the concept that God could possibly exist because if I acknowledge that, I'll have to do something about it. Something is going to have to change in me if I actually acknowledge the creator of all of these things. Because if that is true, then, then he's not just this impersonal, random things. He is a personal God that made me and made a purpose for me. And I'm certainly not living up to that purpose. 
And that's a problem. And so I have to continue to deny the existence of that God so that I don't have to come to that conclusion and to deal with what that's going to require of me. Verse, or sorry, Titus, chapter 2. And I, I've turned to this verse numerous times. And I looked at it again, and I was like, wow, it, it, it's applicable in this other context one more time. Titus 2. could read the context bringing us up to that. Verse 11 says, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Ooh, the great God. That is who Jesus Christ is. The great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. This isn't two different people being described. This is two different aspects of one person being described. The great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. Now, once again, that point that he might redeem us from all iniquity. He is the only one who can redeem us. And it's by his blood. Let's pray.